0: genuinely can't tell if that's good. G'day, how are ya? It's Aiden Jones here. You are listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday the 7th of March, 2023, babe. Babe? Why did I call you babe? Sorry. I was going to say brah and then I thought I'd change it to babe. Baby? Too many people in Melbourne comedy say baby after things. There's like an accepted mode of speaking. Me and my mate were talking about it the other day. Just like how everyone always says, no good or so good. Everyone always talks. People talk the same. And I want to be different because I'm special. All right. Fucking How are you guys, huh? How are you doing? You having a nice week? I've got my tea here. I think I've left it a little too long. I've been frantic and frazzled this week. I'm back in Melbourne. My head's all over the place, I'm working, I'm doing stuff, I can't get all of my things done, yeah, <clears throat> a little stressed, <sighs> I, uh, I got up at 7 o'clock this morning, normally I get up about 8.30, I just, I set an early alarm this morning, I was like, you know what, I'm just getting up, I'm just gonna get up, and it's been fantastic. I uh I got up early on Sunday morning because me and my wonderful girlfriend um had a date. So like we, you know, cause she's in the UK at the moment, so we um set up a date so her Saturday night and my Sunday morning and we made pancakes together. Wonderful. <coughs> um but to make that happen I had to get up at seven in the morning. So that it wasn't too late for her, and uh, you know it was hard. And I'm not gonna lie, I resented it and her when I got up. When my alarm went off at seven, I was like, "Fuck all of this." But then when I got up and like I went for a walk to the shops to buy the pancake mix and everything. Not the pancake mix, sorry. I had flour, egg, banana, nannies, and. um Oh, my days. Uh, Flour, egg, banana, and milk was what I used to make the pan... Oh, my God. Fucking am I going to make some pancakes after this? I literally think I am. Holy shit. But I'm not going to use banana. You know what I'm going to do? This is fucking insane. I'm going to make pancakes, but with peach. Because I bought a peach this morning. So, I'm going to do this podcast... There's a peach sitting on my bed. I've got a little bit of milk left. I'm going to make peach pancakes. What the fuck? Is that a thing? Can you... Can he say that? Oh my God. I feel so happy. <laughs> this is sick. Yeah, man. Peach pancakes. Fuck off. Anyway. Oh, let's just put me in the most wonderful mood. I hope I remember by the end of the podcast... Um, so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, but I woke up early and I walked to the shops to get the, like, eggs and, and banana, and then did that with my girlfriend, and we were done by like 9, 9.30 maybe, you know, watched one of our shows and just chatted and, and ate together, and it put me in the best mood, and I didn't even really notice, but later in the day, I'd said to her, like, you know, I'm so psyched that I woke up early. And that was one of those things that I just said, but didn't really remember it or kind of, you know, like take it on board. Like, okay, maybe the fact that I felt good waking up early should suggest to me that I would like to wake up early again. I hadn't really taken that, but she did. And she she just like reflected it back to me later in the day or like at night or I can't remember. At another point, she was like, hey, you liked waking up early on Sunday. Maybe you should, you know? Or no, at the end of the day, maybe I was like, hey, man, I think i got a lot of stuff done today. And it, yeah, she was like, maybe because you woke up earlier, remember, and you said you really liked that. And I was like, fucking no, oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? And so yesterday, Monday, <clears throat> had a pretty good... Oh, you know, no, 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 stop. No, I did not have a pretty good day. I had, well, it was a good day, but like I felt anxious and stressed all day you know what, I don't want to go too into, like, my personal shit, but I realized the reason that I was stressed is because my girlfriend and I had a nice conversation about our relationship. It was very positive, and I left that conversation with a kind of, like, confirmation that, you know, we're committed to each other and and there's future there and all that kind of stuff, and that's terrifying. And then for all of Monday, I was um, just... Like worried I was just stressed and worried Thinking about the future Thinking about how I have no control over it About how there are all these things that might happen You know, that like could affect You know, like the fucking adoption stuff Moving to the UK, not getting a job The comedy industry out there All of this stuff that could affect my future And then I'm just like ruminating on that stuff And just over and over in my head and every angle that I examine it from trying to be like what would happen in this situation what would I do here what would this what would this person think what would I do with the blah, 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 blah? and I could feel this anxiety in my chest just sitting there all day while I was doing my day job work and I noticed and I guess I didn't even connect these two things but I noticed that I was going really slow at work. I woke up early and got out there early and that was good. But yeah, I was just going real slow, which was kind of frustrating again. <clears throat> and it took me until I got home and like the first person that I had a proper conversation with all day, which was one of my housemates. And I went to just be like, yeah, I'm feeling really stressed. And as soon as I went to say it, I was like, oh, maybe the reason that I feel so stressed right now is because I had that nice conversation with my girlfriend last night And we've just like reaffirmed that there's like, you know, the future for us. We're going forward. We're doing that. And that's so scary to me because in doing that, I'm kind of giving up some form of control over my life or um, like, you know, like some measure of like to do that is to go into the unknown. And that's really scary because like we don't know how our life is going to be or if it's going to work or whatever, all of that stuff. And that's so scary And the, the knowledge that I am like giving up that control is so scary that rather than I'm, I'm, I'm unable to sit with that unknownness. So instead I spend the day ruminating on stuff to try and like kind of scramble and grasp back some measure of control over my life. Does that make sense? Cause it really makes sense to me That I know that the future is uncertain and there's really nothing I can do to control it, but I can't accept that. I cannot accept that there's nothing I can do to control the future. So to try and control it, I'm like spending all day thinking about the future and trying to plan and trying to arrange, you know, in my head, all the aspects of my life to make it less uncontrolled. Um, But that doesn't help. All it does is make me feel anxious and stressed. And uh, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. But when I said it out loud, I was like, oh, that's what I was doing. And then as soon as I realized, I'm like, well, fuck. It's silly and I can just stop, you know. All day, man. I spent all day yesterday just stressing and just feeling this weight in my chest. You know what? I cannot wait to get back to therapy, man. I'm going to therapy tomorrow for the first time since like mid-January. It's been like six weeks and i got heaps of stuff to talk to my therapist about and I'm very excited. I'm excited to see him. He's just a great dude. I feel... I, it just, he's just a wonderful man to be in his presence and I miss him as a person. <laughs> feel defensive saying that and i miss him all right fuck you (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. oh wonderful tea hey i've got a little um someone wrote in that's why i'm here this week that's why i've not um that's why that's why i didn't plow my little f-prost trolley oh you know what i got some stories about yesterday (laughs) That's why I didn't didn't launch myself headfirst off the escalators at Southern Cross Station yesterday because someone wrote into the podcast. (laughs) Um, And I'm not going to read that whole email, but one part, very pertinent to what I was talking about last week. If you remember about how I took back... oh, Oh, God took the um, couch back that I'd used as a prop in my Adelaide Fringe Run, took it back to the Salvos, but I first went to, um, there was Vinnie's and Salvos next to each other, and I got it from the Salvos originally, but then it was a different location that I was taking it back to, because that's just what was on my way, and I went to take it back to Vinnie's first, and she didn't take it. She was like, no, not good enough. Try the Salvos. And then I went into the Salvos, and she was like, didn't even see it. She was like, yeah, man, done. Thank you. And I was asking what is better, Vinnies or Salvos. And a couple people have written in. One person, actually fuck, I almost forgot about that. One person said that they like good Samaritans for good Sammys for the win. Pretty good op shop. That's their local in Albany and WA. Sick. Where's that? Is there a good Good Samaritan Samaritan? Albany WA. Oh, Good Sammy. It's literally called Good Sammy. Is that Good Samaritan or is that just the name of it? GoodSammy.com. Good Sammy. It's got a seal. Oh, there's only one. Shop. Block. Shop finder No there's heaps What the fuck is good Sammy's? We've got another horse in the race guys Well anyway Our stores are in 25 locations From Albany to Geraldton Oh they're in WA only That's cool Some WA local shit They fucking love their own stud. They love the smell of their own farts Over there in WA don't they <laughs> nah, Not as much as we do here in Melbourne Fuck we love it Um, (laughs) Someone was saying to me yesterday for a joke Another comedian was going like What would you say when you go to a house That's not like that's for sale or whatever That you go and like look in the house Before you buy it Because she called it a home open And I called it an open house But apparently in WA they call it a home open And that's just one of the many ways That Western Australian culture really differs fundamentally, from us out east. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, they got their own shit out there. Good Sammy. Well, fucking good on you. Looks good. I'm not talking about that because I don't know shit about it. Why am I attacking the person who wrote in? (laughs) Thank you for writing in, person, and telling me that Good Sammy's is the best one, they reckon. This other person here wrote in and said... I spelled Reckon wrong. You spelled Reckon wrong, mate. You spelled Reckon W R E C K O N. You fucking stupid moron. <laughs> <laughs> How can I trust your opinion on op shops if you're spelling words that don't exist? Is that even a word? Wreckon. Wreckon. Reckon Draken. What? Someone who takes pure pleasure in destroying a party for personal gain, alright, whatever, that's just some fucking Urban Dictionary bullshit it's not a word, it's not a word mate so you fucking absolutely embarrassed yourself there but they reckon I reckon you're right Vinny's are a bit shitty, feeling above the other op shops, Salvo's is the king with cheaper prices, weekly deals based on colours of tags and more selection not even a real debate honestly as it's not even a competition you're absolutely right you are right, despite your your insane spelling. Why am I so stuck on that feeling of superiority? <laughs> despite that, you're absolutely right. I used to work at Salvos. I don't know if I've told these before, but I worked at the Salvos for like three months when I was 20 um, because I was, uh, it was actually one of the first bits that I ever used to do on stage. It wasn't really a bit. It wasn't any good, but I just used to scream about this. I um, was in Adelaide and I could not get a job and it probably had something to do with the fact that I dyed the fringe and only the fringe of my hair, blonde, and I just looked like a piece of shit and used to dress like a lunatic and probably reeked of alcohol and cigarettes, whatever, but um, I couldn't get a job for love or money and I couldn't get on Centrelink because I wasn't 22 yet and you can't, so... I had no money, I had no income, and uh, I was living at home, i would moved out for a bit but I was back at home, and uh, so I got a job at the Salvos going in, unpaid, volunteer work for a couple of days a week, and uh, I I got the job with the idea that I'll be able to get a reference from them, that was the whole reason I went and volunteered there so I could get a reference. And I don't really remember the work much. We used to change those tags over. That all the clothes have different coloured tags, and then every week certain colours are on special and whatever. I actually don't remember doing really any work at all while I was there. Maybe I stood behind the cash register and took a few sales, but like I was pretty fucking useless. And then anyway, after about I didn't ask at the start, but after about three months, they were. I was like, hey, can I get a reference? And the lady was like, oh, sorry, we have a policy of not giving out references. And I was seething. (laughs) I was like, do you mean to tell me that I just volunteered (laughs) for three months for no fucking reason? I'll burn this place to the ground, mate. (laughs) I was so upset. And I mean, never mind the fact that I could have just chalked it up to like hey, I did a nice thing, but I needed the money so badly. I remember the other people there were like work for the doll people that they had to do that work so they could get their um <clears throat> get their Centrelink payments, but I wasn't even getting that. I really don't remember doing any work at that place. I do remember at one point we got a bunch of really nice stuff, and it was from someone old lady who had died um and gave the salvos, like, all of her clothes, and uh, one of them, (sighs) sorry, there was this one piece that was, like, a knitted, was it a jumper, or was it a dress, or something, but the girl who I was not seeing, but was still absolutely in love with, and just, that girl wouldn't really give me the time of day, except for when I had something for her, so I would, like, message her and try and give her stuff like drugs or you know like try and do things for her (laughs) I remember sending her a picture of that knitted knitted, um jumper I thought it would have looked really good on her I sent that to her and I was like hey what do you reckon about this by the way do you want to catch up sometime (laughs) um Anyway, when I moved to Melbourne, I started doing stand-up. That was one of the first bits that I did, but I didn't know how to write a joke, so I just, I'd just i seen Bill Hicks do the uh, joke about his ex-girlfriend and how she left him, and now he fantasized about her having a shit life with living with some big, fat trucker man, and he's making love to her with the broom handle, and the, the punchline of the bit is, um, just before she drowns in that puddle of vomit, she'll turn to the TV, and I'm going to be on it. And it rhymed, and I took that idea and ran with it, and I was like, I know, you don't have to write jokes, you just have to rhyme at the end, and that's good enough. So I wrote this big, long, and memorized word for word, this big, long, like, rhythmic thing, this tirade about the salvos and about how they suck and I hate them, and they're not the same as the Nazi Germany people, but, like, whatever. What was it? The back room, and I'm like, you know, I'm not saying that they, like, kill children in the back room there, but, like, they're not keeping wigs in that room, or whatever the fuck it was, I don't know. (laughs) Basically insinuating that, you know, they're, like, Nazis and stuff, just because they didn't give it. It was the most nonsensical bit, but how's that? Like, that must have been, it must have been April, May, June 2012, that I volunteered for free and I was still yelling about it in like October. <laughs> I felt cheated. And still, still better than the Salvos, right? Better than the Salvos, sorry, better than Vinny's. Anyway, fucking enough about that. Enough about that. I had uh, this day yesterday, I got a couple nice stories. I met a couple old people yesterday. How nice is just an old person, you know, talking to her, when you can really get in a chat, I met this one lady, this was a kind of sad, but it made me feel good, there was a lady um, at Southern Cross Station, I got off my train, and I had my little nana trolley, maybe that's why I had chats with old people today, because I was spiritually on their wavelength, because I had the trolley, I was going up the escalators, and there was an older lady with her nana trolley and a walking stick behind me. And I turned around and was watching her get on the thing. And I was kind of like, she looked like a bit frail. And I was watching her get on and she kind of got on okay. But I was like, I don't know, it feels like, ugh. and as it started going up, she just fell backwards, man. She overbalanced and she fucking ate shit. And fell half down another step on the escalator And I like ran down and jumped over the top of her And tried to grab her by her shoulders But she had hit her head on the step And she was like, I'm bleeding I was like, fuck, you are too, mate And another guy came And then we like rode the escalator Because the escalator is still moving, it's still going up And she's bleeding on the step Um, And her, her trolley and her fucking cane are all over the place we get her up the top, we get her off the escalator, sit her up, she's bleep, she's blit man, I like just old people and their skin's so thin, she was just bleeding all over the place, onto her fucking, onto her like jacket and stuff, and, um, sat her up, and the, 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 uh, like, station warden people came, and, it was funny, because she was still completely lucid, she was fine, she didn't pass out or anything, and she was bleeding heaps, but like, I, Put a bit of water on her, but it was just above her eyebrow And I put a bit of water on it And then it kind of stopped bleeding straight away And we just got some tissues on it But it was like, there was so much blood But it stopped bleeding pretty quick And I was like, what's your name, where are you going? And she was like, I'm going to Ballarat And I was like, when's your thing leave? And she's like, oh, it's like 20 minutes I was like, yeah man, sick, you, you'll make the train, you'll be fine And then the warden lady was like on her walkie-talkie Going, okay, she doesn't need an ambulance But she's pretty banged up and she's going like, I don't think you're gonna make your train, love. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, let's get her on that train. And she she was not being a dick to me. She was a little warning. She was very nice, but she was like, Oh, thank you for helping. Like, are you a nurse? And I was like, Nah, nah, man. I'm just some fucking guy with some ideas, you know. <laughs> like, like who am I to say that she's gonna make a train or not? Like, I don't fucking know. She just hit her head. She very well could be, like, concussed or on a fucking... <laughs> but it was something... Like, she seemed fine and she seemed like... Like, she was kind of determined to have this not be a big deal. And so she was like, my train's at this time. And I kind of just... I was just like, we're getting you on the train, mate. We're going to get you on there. <laughs> and then, like, the warden lady came up and starts going, no, you're not. And I kind of wanted to be like... Fuck off, lady. <laughs> what do you know, man? Are you a nurse? No. So we're neither of us are nurses. But I what I if I know anything, I know about catching trains. <laughs> Got a lot of experience racing for trains. Sure I'm not an old lady, but I will be one day, alright? So let me take over. No, I let her go. I was just like, all right, well look, that's about all I can do. I gave her a bit of water and I was like, Okay, hope you're okay. I hope you make it to Ballarat. You got your people here now, the traffic the the station people they're helping you out. But it was so nice, like I mean, it obviously sucked that she fell down, but perversely, like very grateful for the opportunity to help someone. Always good. And, um, you know, my girlfriend's a doctor and I was like, man, I can, I can kind of understand why you could really get into doing this all the time, you know? Like if you have a set of skills that you can help someone, like I remember when I got that palm spike in my leg a few years ago when I was working as a gardener and how grateful I was to the medical staff for like looking after me and getting it out and doing all of that and making sure that I was okay. It's the coolest thing to have a set of skills that can really help someone in a moment when they're very vulnerable, and I don't have any skills, but I was just the closest person to her when she fell down, and helping her up, and giving her a bit of water, and like washing her blood away a little bit, it was like the best, it was the best thing that happened to me all day yesterday, it made me feel really good, I was sad, like I didn't, do you know what I mean, like I want to separate those two things, obviously I wish she never felt down, she never fell down, but like when she did and i got to help her i was like man i feel like and then the lady the the station lady was like oh you gave her some water she's like you're a good man she said you're a good man It's it's really feels good you know and i was just worrying about all this stuff and the stress and everything like worrying about the future like before she fell that's where my mind was at i was just thinking about the future and you know am i a loser for like doing comedy and thinking am I selfish for like picking this career and pursuing it and you know now I'm in a relationship and it's like I, I need to get a job and hold up my end of the bargain financially and am I being selfish by still trying to pursue this thing that's never really been able to pay my rent and just getting down on myself and whatever and worrying about all of that and um and then this lady fell over. You know what it was like it was like um it was like some kind of spiritual force was like, Hey mate, I know you're having a tough time, so here let me do you a little favour. And the invisible hand of God just pushed this old lady down, <laughs> down the stairs. And I was like, Thank you, brother <laughs> That's really helped me out actually. Oh, oh she was the best. I re- she was really cool. Then, then I got to, um, got to the shopping center, started doing work, and I met this other old boy in a shop who was like, must be pushing 70, <coughs> got chatting to him. Didn't ask his name, but someone else came into the shop with a delivery and called him by his name, so I knew his name. And uh, I just got chatting to him because I was like, you know, I grew up in Adelaide, but like, what? I don't even know how he got talking, but... <sighs> he was saying about how... He grew up in Coburg and he was like, Where in-? I was like, I'm in Coburg. He was like, I grew up there. Where are you? I'm like across from the postie on Raynard Street. I was like, yeah, I grew up on Rennie Street. And we were talking about that. He lived in Coburg from 1965, which is two years before my mum was born. And he was saying about how Coburg used to be like just really only Greek and Italian and there was, like, a big shopping center there that was, like, a department store. I can't remember what it was called now, but it used to be huge, but then it kind of went away, and it split up into all the smaller stores, which is what it is now, and there was, like, all kind of Arabic, Middle Eastern immigration, so the area's changed, but also it's not changed. Like, Brunswick has gentrified and blown up really big, and, like, Ligon Street is just, like, all tall five or six-story things now. Coburg's not like that, and it's kind of like it used to be, and, like... Dude, back in the day, Pentridge Prison was still in operation up until like the 70s. This guy, this old boy was saying he remembers the last ever hanging in Australia. Was it in Australia? Or maybe it was just at Pentridge. I don't know. The last hanging at Pentridge anyway. In the 60s, they hanged this guy who was an inmate there and then he got out and he killed someone. He like escaped and then killed someone or killed a few people. And so they hanged him at the prison and he remembers the day when they did it. How fucking cool is that? What's crazy? And we just started talking about gangs and all this stuff. And, oh, man. Just wonderful to talk to an old fella. The, the um maybe, maybe this week the podcast is going to be called History. Because there's a lot of old people. And um, I've been telling old stories. And I've got another cool story here. I saw last week... Where's my fucking picture? I took a picture of... Here it is. When I moved to Melbourne in 2012, I stayed in this backpackers hostel for two months called Melbourne Connection Backpackers. It was on the corner of Little Burke and King. And I stayed there for two months until a couple of my friends had a room open up in their share house, and I moved in there in a, in North Richmond. But that that backpackers was just like so dirty. I went there because it was the cheapest one available. It was twenty bucks a night. I just went on Hostel World and typed in backpackers or like Melbourne, and then went straight to the cheapest one on the list and booked a week there because that was all the money that I had. And, oh, I remember so much about it. I remember this one guy, I can't remember his name, but he was, like, a skinny-looking dude, and he had a broken leg. And he reckons he had a broken leg because he was in his shed and, like, his motorbike fell on his leg and crushed it. But I reckon he had a broken leg because he had some kind of drug debts or something. He was just a real druggy dude. There was, like, another guy. They used to smoke meth. Um... And then there was like a red-headed dude who was there and there was a guy called English Aaron who stayed in my room. I remember him once going, because um, I loved him. Oh, sorry, wait, my fucking, god damn it, my laptop's not plugged in. Get plugged in there, mate. Here we go. Um, I remember him um, saying about... He was leaving to go up north to go traveling and uh, we had lived in the same room together and I just, I don't know, I just liked him. I felt like we were kind of fast friends. He was a very friendly dude and and he just, everyone seemed to like him. He was always up for a drink and uh, when he left, I remember being like, oh man, like you're going to come back though, right? Like I just didn't want to say goodbye to him. I just wasn't ready to say goodbye because it's hard to say goodbye So I was like, you're going to be back though, right? And he just went, never. (laughs) And he kind of laughed as he said it. He was like, never. Because like, you know, obviously you're going to come back to Melbourne, but also maybe I'm never going to see you again. That was kind of how I took it to be. It was just like, yeah, man, like I'll be back. I'll be around, whatever. But like, probably this is the last time I'm ever going to see you and you know we had been close for that brief moment for like a couple months or a month or whatever it was that we lived in the same room and that was cool but i literally have never seen him again why would i there was another dude there whose name was also aaron who was like hard up i think he didn't have the money to stay in the hostel every night so some nights he would sleep on the streets i remember doing a joke in my show one year when I told a bunch of stories from that time I said we had two Aarons. We had English Aaron who was English And Aaron who was homeless But you can't call someone homeless Aaron So we just called him Aaron I always thought that was a pretty good joke um, Fuck, what else do I remember? When I got there I uh, got into my six bed dorm I remember And it was me and English Aaron And then there were like three or four Chinese people In the dorm as well Who didn't really talk much But... They had boxes and boxes of stuff from floor to ceiling stacked just full of like, it felt like they were running some kind of import-export business or like on-selling racket out of the dorm room in the hostel. I don't know what was going on. They didn't say anything to us, but they just had all of this merchandise and then after a couple days, like you literally had to go in the door and then like edge around it. Like there was no space anywhere. And then after a couple of days, they left, and I noticed that my shoes were gone. I had these nice Nike Air Force Ones with the blue swoosh, and they disappeared, and I always blamed those guys. I thought they'd stolen my shoes. Um, man, I remember there was this one guy, this Irish guy, maybe he was Northern Irish, I can't remember his name, but he gave me a copy of uh, Marching Powder, that book by the English drug trafficker who went to jail in Bolivia and then wrote a book about it, he gave me a copy of that, and I went to Adelaide, I went back to Adelaide on some trip, and I went on the bus, oh my god, and I took mushrooms on the bus, and I was reading the book, and um, I remember being like, oh man, it's a great book, I remember loving it, and then I also remember being really excited to talk to him about it when I got back, and then I was like, going to give him the book back, and uh I got back and he had been kicked out of the hostel because he got drunk one night, passed out in the common room and pissed on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw him again. Uh, um oh there was another dude who had a guitar and him and this there was the only other guy I remember his name was Jean-Pierre no Jean 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 Henri, that's right, Jean Henri, this guy from Perth him and another guy from Perth had moved over together and they were musicians and they were going to move out to Melbourne to like try and make a a go of it being musicians. And uh, Jean-Henri just kept getting jobs and then getting fired and spending all his money on like nice $80 meals at restaurants. And then the other guy was there with his girlfriend. So Jean-Henri eventually went back to Perth. And then the other guy, he, he also wanted to be a musician, but... He kept, I I linked up with this one dude in the hostel who was picking mushrooms out in the forest and living at his mum's place and then coming in, he was like out in the sticks, like in the eastern suburbs or something, but then he would come into Melbourne at weekends, stay at the hostel, go to pubs, try and pick up girls and sell mushroom caps. So he would pick mushrooms in the forest, dry them out at his mum's place, cap like grind them up, put them in caps and then sell them to backpackers and tourists and people at nightclubs and shit. And he would stay in the hostel to do that. And I met him, and I started selling mushrooms for him. And I started selling them to to this guy in the fucking um, in the hostel who was the other musician guy from Western Australia. And it got to the point where he was him and his girlfriend were just like taking mushrooms and other drugs and smoking weed all the time. And he ran out of money, <laughs> so, and he so he sold his guitar to cash converters. But the biggest kick in the teeth for this dude. <laughs> Was that he he sold, that's right, he sold his guitar and he sold his laptop. But he didn't have a driver's license so he couldn't go to cash converters because you need ID to sell shit. So he got me, because I had my ID, he got me to sell his stuff for him and paid me money to sell his stuff so that he could get money to buy (laughs) mushroom caps which I was also selling him. (laughs) and he had moved to melbourne to try and be a musician and then he ended up getting some guy to (laughs) to sell his guitar and his laptop so that he could pay money to that same guy to buy drugs to take in the hostel fucking hell oh there was a french dude i remember who was um trying to be a flair bartender and he was in the room for a bit and he had these like White like not glass bottles but like white practice bottles that you can get that were like plastic and he would be in the room just practicing flair bartending And then me and him would go out the front and smoke weed All of these people fuck there was this there was this uh black british chick who was there who like I don't know why she was staying in a hostel. I guess she was young. She's probably like 21 22 or something and she um Went back because it was 2012. It was the london olympics. I remember she flew back to london because she had a ticket to go to the 100-meter final, which was like so prestigious. And I remember being like, why are you staying in a hostel if you've got tickets to the 100-meter final and you can afford to fly back to London to go do that? And then there was this other Dutch lady, I remember her, and they were friends. Ah, oh, I, I, That might be about it. So many people. But anyway, the point is, I every time I go past there, Little Burke and King, I notice that they're still open. And the other day I went past, and for the first time, and that was eleven years ago. Then it's no longer a backpackers hostel. It's an Indian restaurant. It's called Deli Rocks. Delhi Rocks, D E L H I, like in India, Delhi. Delhi Rocks Indian restaurant, homemade every day. www.delirocks.com.au. So I got to go in there and have a meal, I reckon. Because that, I mean, I was only there for two months. I never went there again. I never stayed there again. Nothing. But listen to all those people that I just remembered. I've forgotten all of their names. But like I spent, you know, two months, the first two months, it was such a pivotal point in my life. And and that doesn't exist anymore. Isn't that cool? Isn't that kind of, there's like a sadness to that. There's a nostalgia. Time keeps moving, you know. So anyway, I think that's it for me this week. If i got anything else I wanted to talk about, It's good to be back in Melbourne. I feel like I am slowly clawing my way on top of the mountain of admin and stuff that I've given myself to do. (sighs) Melbourne Comedy Festival is fast approaching. I don't know whether the tickets are selling. My management are taking care of that, but my first show is on the 30th of March and I'm going to be doing a lot of promo for that in the coming weeks. There's still not drunk stuff. The videos are going good. I've got some ideas for that in the future. I'm really excited. I've had some ideas. I'll get onto that later. But whatever, whatever. That's it from me. I hope you guys are having a good week. I hope you're clawing your way on top of the pile of admin that I'm sure you have. <sighs> if you like the podcast, give us a like. Um, you know, subscribe and fucking five-star reviews on Spotify and iTunes and... Um, I'll talk to you soon. This has been Aiden Jones, sitting under a tree. Peace.